Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the My Week in Cars podcast with me Matt Pryor and him Steve Cropley. Hello Stephen. Hello Matthew, how are you? Six months on mate, six months on. Can you believe it, they've kept with us all this time. All this time, it seems like about three weeks to me, not 26. And me? Yeah, strange isn't it? It is strange, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't get it, but I've enjoyed it. Me too. You enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, a lot and it makes me feel differently about writing my column, which is what we chat about over the next half an hour or so. Steve's column, My Week in Cars, and my column, Tester's Notes, and some of your correspondence. You can write to us. Autocar at haymarket.com is the address. Richard Howard has written, Hello, he says, I've just read this uh, Mega Hot Hatch review. I don't know if he means Mega Hatch, Mega Hot, or Mega review i don't know anyway he seems very pleased but he says where was the focus st so raved about in the magazine it can now be bought with a track pack uprated suspension and tires and i'm sure it would give the new honda civic type r a run for its money at near enough forty thousand pounds by the way aren't these cars expensive these days aren't they aren't yeah they? yeah aren't they so um yes the short of that richard is i like the focus st a lot it's been a long time since i drove one actually have you driven one not for a while. not seriously. I did have a bit of a trundle in one round here, but not to, that's to say around the office. But mm. not, <clears throat> I mean, not in the office. Not you understand? The office. Uh, but um, n- not really. So uh, you may have a point. Uh, yeah. the track pack sounds good. The track pack does sound good. I think so. They announced it, as far as I can tell, sort of last September, and it's an extra three grand. But as far as I can see, nobody's reviewed it yet. But uh, as soon as we can, Richard, uh, we'll we'll bring you that because I've always liked the way Ford hot hatchbacks have driven they yeah. have that sort of you tuck. just don't want to, to, to mess up the I, I love the body control but mm. I do we don't want it crashing into all the, the extra bumps that we seem to have in the country yeah that's the, the country, worry yeah. isn't it you can make something a bit too stiff yeah if you're not careful new civic i think gets that spot on i think it's really good yeah they yeah. know what they're doing it's, it's yeah. surprising for a car that sells in such small numbers mm. that it's so suitable to the uk yeah yeah because they do no testing over here i yeah. understand it but yeah, cool thing. Right, on with the pod. Uh, Steve, you you suggested I started with my column this week. Oh, it's great, mate. Well, it's yeah. a hot hatch theme, yeah. appropriately. Get stuck so, in, I say. How do you pron- I, I, How would the Germans pronounce it? Wörthersee? Wörthersee, as we know it, I think. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Is a Volkswagen GTI festival that has happened since 1982 on the banks of the Wörthersee in Austria. And it was started by a bloke called Erwin... 
Oh, I've just deleted my column from in front of me. Anyway, it was, it was started by an act, an Austrian actor who owned a bar on the, in this uh, little town called uh, Leibniz in um, 1982, and he, he liked driving his GTI around in the local local area. So he invited some mates over, and a hundred mates with GTIs turned a up. Hundreds are amazing on it its is, own. It is, isn't it? Because they were not. There was not an internet owners forum in 1982. No, How no. do you find a hundred golf GTI owners to come along and yeah and see you at your pub? Yeah. Amazing. Anyway, so it took off, and three or four years later, a thousand people were coming, and in 1987, the then CEO of Volkswagen presented the town with a granite Golf GTI uh, statue, uh, sculpture rather, and um, you know, in, in thanks of what they'd done to promote GTI fun, and it just grew and grew and grew until late twenty teens, sort of a hundred to two hundred thousand people were turning up. They'd go in the weeks before, they'd stay for the weeks after. I mean, it's a beautiful area of the world, you know, very green, very lush. And then the pastor being busy in his bar, wasn't it? Can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, it became a bit much, one suspects. Uh, it was cancelled in 2020 because of the pandemic. It was cancelled in 2021 because of the pandemic. It was cancelled in 2022, yeah, because of the pandemic, lads, honestly. Yeah. But you sort of think, hang on a minute, what's going on? And in 2023, they have said, finally, yes, there is going to be no uh, Vortice event in 2023. And kind of not welcome back basically yeah. and they it's are shameful that is it is really i mean the the thing is is that they've cited uh, sustainability and climate change you know and i mean if that was true you'd invite no tourists to the area at all unless yeah. you could get them there completely carbon neutral yeah on roller skates yeah. no tourist especially could say well we're not doing this the fact is they don't like it and all right even some people who go to the show would admit that it is a it is a problem with you know two hundred thousand car tuners. There's a lot of loud exhausts. There's some bad driving, some bad drinking. You know, and it's a small place. But if that's the if that's the problem, say so. Yeah. If that's the problem, own it. Own it and but say it's not good enough. There's um there's a good end to the story. There's a good end to the story. So yes, because this very morning, Volkswagen turned around and said, um, the Volkswagen head of sales, Emelda Labe, says. Our GTI fans are of great importance to us, and we have decided very quickly to offer the GTI fan community a new home for the event in Wolfsburg. So we think probably next year, Vortice will move to Wolfsburg, and there will be a place for tuned Volkswagen fans to go and yeah, have a good I, time. I mean, I imagine they could use something like the ERA test track. I mean, you'd... Oh, yeah. Um, you know, with an eight-mile straight and all that. Eight and miles. Where Andy Wallace did... Whatever it was, 300 miles an hour. 300 miles an hour, yes, plenty of room. 304. You could do it there. You could, a lot of people could camp yep. at Aralesian for a couple of weeks, couldn't they, and have a pretty good time. And probably It's only 10 miles long. away. Is it? Yeah. I've never been. Have you been? Yes. I, I went there with a bunch of people driving Bentleys from the 20s to meet um, him that designed the Porsche 917. The oh, the, 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 big, the big... The big cheese, yeah. Oh, he he just wanted to... We're going to have to find him. We're going to have to look him up. Go on. It's, it's weird, isn't it? There's so many names in your head. Yeah. This is really Ferdinand Pieck. Pieck, yeah. Of course. And he was he was just desperate to plug into the the Bentley ethos because he just bought the company. Ah, okay. And, uh, you know, it was charming, actually, because he drove quite a few of these cars. He had to go mm. in a blower up and down the straight, or on this big black lake. And uh, he was... 
Well, he could be everything, that guy. He could be, you know, hugely scary and he could be extremely personable. Yeah. Right? So it was a personable day. Was he chiefly responsible for wanting to buy Bentley? Oh, I think so. I think he was responsible for wanting to buy Bentley, Lamborghini, you know, all of them. Because that's my, my one of my favourite... I know we're getting slightly off topic here, but one of my favourite stories in the car industry is Volkswagen trying to buy Rolls-Royce and Bentley before somebody piped up, well, hang on a minute, the owners of Rolls-Royce don't own the Rolls-Royce trademark. Yeah. And flogging it to BMW instead. Yeah. Which I, which I love as a story. Yeah, there's but, a book about it, isn't there? Oh, is there? Yeah, Richard Feast, a, a hack of former times in this okay. place, actually, hmm. um, wrote a book about it. Ah, well, and, uh, there's, a, there's a big tale about it, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, anyway, so, yes, the good news is the festival continues. Yeah. I'm slightly, I mean, I, my concern is that people will use sustainability climate change as a reason not to do things when they just don't want to do it. Yeah. And that's, you know, where they just don't like your hobby. Sorry you're not coming in. And you see it with air shows and things like that as you well. Do. I think a couple have been binned off under the, you know, under that. And you just think, wait a minute, this is, you know... In the grand scheme of things, some people tuning cars and going away for a weekend is not the greatest sin in the world. Well, no, and I also I, I think that the, the other truth is that it stimulates the industry. The mm. industry employs tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands mm. of people. I mean, it's not you can't just stop. No. And, no. you know, I'll bet you VW will turn this into a commercial opportunity and good luck oh, to them. Oh, but it'll do very well for them, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. No, so I think it was a, it was a lovely item. They did, they did that literally happen today? The, the, the VW announcement was this morning, I think, yeah. So it's all happened pretty quick because the cancellation was announced, I think, the start of February or middle of February. So it's, yeah, so Volkswagen coming out and saying they're going to sort it has been a pretty... Oh, yeah, good luck to them. I, it, it, also, isn't it great to see just decisive action like that? Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's move on to your column, mate. Electric aircraft. Oh, God. On, on the sustainability aircraft yeah. thing, what's what's this about? Well, the thing is, we, we've had a, some a fair bit to do with Yasa, the, the, the electric motor manufacturer based near Oxford. They're uh, going to be, they have this radical new, uh, new old, but newly refined electric motor called an axial flux motor, which is different in format from the usual radial flux motors it's lighter right. and you know more greater torque density says the boss tim wilmer mm -hmm. and uh it w the, the, this is such a, a magnificent step forward that the whole company was bought last year by mercedes-benz who are going to use these axial flux motors first in their amg range oh so when you buy an amg electric car it will have a completely different british designed and more powerful more torque dense motor than any other electric car. It's tremendous. It is tremendous. But um, Tim Woolmer, being a smart guy, thought, hang on a minute, this works in, this will work in aeroplanes. So he, with another uh, business called Aero Electric Flight in... Um, Electroflight. Electroflight in, yeah. in uh, Gloucester, based mm. in Gloucester, where I did my first solo in 1989, oh, I should tell you. Um, he, uh, he's built an aircraft which looks like a big pylon racer, single-seater, mm -hmm. 300 and, no, sorry, 530-odd horsepower from three of these motors. They're about the size of a suitcase, the three of them together. So it's got three 
three motors ganged up just driving the prop. Oh, driving one prop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like no. a, it's a okay. classic pylon racer. It's got one big air screw. Yeah. But he's also at work on these things, which are like a drone, which have got a number of air screws that move them slowly around the round round. Right. The air. But what they wanted to do was attract some, make some noise about yeah. the potential of these things, and he finished up doing. 330 odd miles an hour in this thing and uh, unofficially 400 miles an hour so wow. it, it had roughly the the performance of uh, if, if you care about world war ii airplanes a typhoon or a or a or a um yeah typhoon typhoon my yeah. favorite uh, my favorite airplane of that era yeah fact, the thing with that oh, massive God, air scoop yeah under. huge air scoop under yeah. yeah 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 appeared in a cartoon that i used to read when i was a kid uh, uh so and it's got do they talk range and no, stuff no, the like range that, is it's, nothing. The it's range because, is, because it, it's just they talk about endurance. It's about half an hour. Okay, but um, it could be greater. But it's just that they used all the grunt to go fast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because why wouldn't you? Because why wouldn't you? But, yeah. but uh, what he wanted to do was just show that it can work. And of course, this thing's got an amazing climb rate. It more or less stands on its tail and goes punches a hole in the sky. You know, it sounds like, amazing. So anyway, the, the thing is, it's about to be put in the Science Museum and Roger Target, the boss of, of, of the company, said, why don't you come around and have a look? So I'm susceptible to such invitations. Yeah. <laughs> so I went for a look and it was great. Excellent, Brilliant. excellent. From there, you go to an event I couldn't go to in the end, unfortunately, an evening with uh, the Lotus Emira at yeah. the British Motor Museum. It went really well. It was, we had... Peter Horbury, the the, uh, the vice president in charge of design, has you know he's he's uh, changed his title a bit. He was the, the the overall boss of design at Geely, so in charge of four or five different marks. Mm. But he's winding down a bit, and he he's now in charge of Lotus, the Chinese side of it, and okay. and also the Hethel side of it. He was accompanied by Russell uh, um, Russell Carr Russell Carr who. Uh, who's been their man and boy, uh, designed all the sports cars. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Gavin Kershaw, who's their expert wheelman and, and nowadays known as director of attributes. Well, yeah. He gets into a car and he has to decide if it's a Lotus or not. Mm. And, of course, nobody what better. What a job. What a job that is. Yeah. It's just, I find that job more... I mean, we get exposed to those engineers. They, they allow us exposure to those engineers more than the others, I suppose. But that is... The gig, isn't yeah. it? Of de- deciding, you know, defining whether that car feels right or yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, those two blokes, or the three of them, are such good talkers that they just kind of mesmerise this audience. We had, mm. in the end, we finished up with close to three hundred people. Great. But the thing that struck me, I just finished writing about it, was was it was just a, such a just a, such a happy evening. They were all such. Everybody had the same commitments. They were, everybody was knowledgeable. Every, mm-hmm. You know you. It wasn't. There were no stupid questions. Everybody asked really clever questions that I myself forgot to ask and would have liked to, wanted to hear the answers to. And it went on for quite a long time. And when it stopped, there was a kind of queue of people beside each of these blokes wanting to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And just the 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 bonhomie, the the, the sort of ambience of the place was fabulous. I, I just finished writing. I would have liked to take the entire autocar audience and stand them in the room oh, just to yeah. enjoy it. It was yeah. so good. That's fantastic, isn't it? Will we do more of those? I think the plan is, we, I mean, the Motor Museum wants to do more and, yeah. and I think th- th- what made this go with a swing was the input of the autocar audience. So yeah. we'd love to. Excellent. 
Good. Well, we will take a very short break, and just after this, we'll be back with more from My Week in Cars. What car would you buy if you could buy any car? What car would you buy if you knew you could save thousands? What car would you buy if you could compare the latest offers from approved dealers? What car would you buy if you could do all of this in one place in just a few simple clicks? And where would you go to buy that car? What car? Car buying made easy. Visit whatcar.com to buy your next new car. Welcome back to the My Week in Cars podcast with uh, Matt Pryor and Steve Cropley. You can write to us, autocar at haymarket.com. And Matthew Smith has done that. I just like this, Steve, because I'm on Matthew Smith's side when he writes to me. It is a shame that we're always developing the next thing without reflecting on what's gone before, he said. I remember as a child in the 70s when we lived in the south when we lived in southwest London, our milk was delivered in recyclable glass bottles by a milkman driving his electric milk flow. Why don't the government look at this again? So many boxes ticked. ULES compliant, zero emissions, glass recycling, which negates the need for plastic recycled or not, new job generation for hundreds of people. Guardian readers will love it. Considering this service dates back 50 years, it is interesting how it is more on point today than ever, says Matthew. Well, my milk still comes in a, pl- in a glass bottle delivered by somebody in a van. And it is terrific. It is, um, I mean, it is a, an internally combusted van because of where I live, but I mean, it is a good idea. Isn't it? it is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to argue against that. And mm. I do think he's right that, that, uh, that uh, you know, we do discard stuff without thinking well enough and mm-hmm. it, it t- tends to be done for two good reasons and four bad ones you yeah know? yes yeah exactly yeah. so it's uh, no he's right yeah. absolutely yeah. well done Matthew yeah and my local one is quite good you go on and you click and it, and it delivers you know given in this day and age so many people have supermarket deliveries you can get fresh milk delivered in quite often an electric milk float in a recyclable glass bottle and they will do other groceries in recyclable stuff I get reusable cereal boxes and uh, all kinds of milk, oat milk, fruit juice and everything, all comes reusable, yeah, give it back luck. and they take yeah. it away again. It's brilliant. I recommend it entirely, I've got to say. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for that, Matthew. Uh, next on your column uh, point, Steve, is, um, yeah, so this interests me. When I read last week about a revolutionary Volvo plan, you say, uh, dreamed up by new CEO Jim Rowan his new design boss has no experience of design no he's a I mean he's a very experienced product designer okay but it just seems to me that we you know you and I we report these stories all the time and the one thing that we seem to report regularly are people who have done something else with distinction but they get into cars and it doesn't work mm. how many times have we seen this and so you do yeah. wonder about a bloke who is the CEO comes from Dyson, where they had built an unsuccessful car. Was he part of the Dyson I couldn't plan tell you that, that but it doesn't go back that far. Right, right? okay. So he, he, he will have touched him, for sure. Mm. And then there's the, the, the bloke, the, the product designer, who has actually taken the job. That's Jeremy Offer. That's him. And he's and not worked in the auto industry before? No. Cool. And it just, it just seems to me that that's a hell of a risk. I could imagine yeah. one, you know, being... Um, Having affiliations elsewhere, but it it just seems to Volvo to me is is a, is a very 
it, its backstory guides it a lot to mm. me. I, I mm. don't think you can necessarily just have another idea. And also, I've learned because I'm I'm sort of old and conservative. I've I've learned to distrust people who arrive, as I say in the <laughs> column, you know, with a with change everything written at the top of, yeah. a, of a very short to-do list. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's not going to be like this, but they could have done a better job of reassuring those of us who like Volvo and its traditions. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it does say since 1958 on the seatbelts, because that's when they design them. You know, they've got a... Yeah, it is a conservative car company, isn't it? Yeah. To an extent. That's, yeah, really, intri- yeah, really intrigued. But the, one of their arguments is that they're moving... Volvo away from Thomas Ingenlath, who mm-hmm. was the Volvo chief designer and moved to Polestar. The original Polestar, as we know, is a is a started life as a Volvo concept car. So mm-hmm. you can see there is a there's a job of moving them away to be done. But I still think that um, it's Volvo's values that you've got to concern yourself with here, yeah. not just uh, not just doing something different. Yeah, and there's a, I mean I know there's a lot of people there who can still keep a steady thing and know how to make a car but probably I mean it's the most complex consumer product on it earth yeah. it has to operate in unbelievably harsh yeah. conditions for a very long time it takes quite a lot of and you can I don't know it takes they, quite they a lot can of be scuppered to do so that, easily yeah. you know we we, we we talk all a lot about BL car various persuasions and and one of the things that you and I have seen is that they they just if not launched properly, if not if not argued for properly, they can be failures even though they're good. Mm. It's amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. BL cars, oh, is that what you were suggesting? <laughs> failures. Should we talk? Oh, is it British Leyland? It is British Leyland at the time, isn't it? Austin Meister. Yeah. 40 yeah. years old this week? 40 years old Wednesday, today. Today, today as we were recording. We're, this is Wednesday as we as we speak. As we it? speak. So yes, yeah, so March the first, the Austin Maestro turns forty. <laughs> I never had the pleasure, Steve. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say that you missed out on a lot, mate. <laughs> Better to have driven a few Ford GTs, I reckon. But but uh, it was it, it was a sort of okay car. It was a big bodied car at the time, mm. so it was spacious and it was airy. And although the engines were nothing much, they you know started off with a Metro one point three. A plus engine, you know, but there was something about it steered well, but unfortunately, you know, dud dealers, yeah, poor, poor quality and all that. And, and of course, this was a classic case of a car that was launched badly. I went on the launch to Spain, mm. and uh, and the first thing that happened was that, <clears throat> you know, we booked into the hotel, came out, stood in a clump in the sunshine, and along came a bunch of blokes with toolboxes and went through the entire line of cars that were lined up to test to change the throttle linkages because someone somewhere in the in the last few minutes of the, the, the these cars gestation had decided that the throttle linkages were wrong and that you know they were they were too soft and they had to or I think it was too soft they had to be stiffened up stiffened up so they went through this line of cars there were probably 25 cars there and while we all stood in the sun and thought this is different <laughs> and then and then uh, we got going and somebody promptly upended one into a ditch <laughs> and from there you know the uh, the the history of the the Austin Maestro proceeded an inauspicious start <laughs> that is i mean we do get a few stories of late changes and cancellations and stuff like that but I've not come across that in my time. I don't oh, think. That is a winner. That is a winner. <laughs> I do remember somebody telling me um, he was at Ford when the Mark IV 
Escort came out, which was the not very well received one, wasn't right, it? Right, yeah. And they were doing a dealer event and he was he would be doing the presentation or whatever and these cars turned up and they offloaded them off the back of a off the off the back of the low loader and then he was prepping stuff inside and somebody came in and said mate we've got a problem with these escorts that have turned up he said what's that and i won't use the exact word he said they're crap <laughs> <laughs> he said they're, te- they're terrible we've been through you know they are they are not they're really not very good so he went out and nose around and sure enough yeah not a very it, it turned into an all right car by the mark 5 didn't it yeah, yeah. i believe the mark 4 the Mark IV was the one where the, the incumbents of Autocar at the time mm. tested one against a load of other cars and they ran this immortal cover line which said, Escort meets its rivals and losers. And, you know, Ford was massive in the country, mm. you know, biggest manufacturer of Iron Mile. And the, the, um, the, you know, all the bosses from here were, were, you know, basically handcuffed and taken to the offices of, of, uh, of the Ford in Worley and you know trousers down, whipped across the backside. It was uh, it was a it was a bad business. But but from that the the, the Richard Parry Jones days came. The, yeah. You know the the it was acknowledged by people who knew what they were talking about that the car was poor mm. and it needed fixing and they fixed it. Mm. But it took a few years. Yeah. It's very rare that we tell engineers something they don't know, isn't it? When it comes to that, they've done the tests. They've done that. They've tested the rivals. Yeah, and then, you know, we've we I've been invited in to have discussions following poor reviews, and you spend a bit of time with engineers, and they go, well, yeah, we know, but we yeah. were under this pressure and that pressure. We had to use this bit because it's also used on that car. Yeah. So no wonder this feels like whatever. And the people who get out of shape are usually marketing types yeah. who don't really know cars anyway, do mm. they? And or they, the the immortal ones are the ones who've only driven that. Work for one brand, so they've yeah. driven nothing but Vauxhalls and nothing, nothing but, but Fords. And yeah. you show them a VW, and they can't believe how fabulous it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've done a few tests, haven't we, on roads we know well, where they haven't done any testing in the UK, and they go, "What are you? What are you talking about? You 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 don't like this? You don't like that? You don't yeah. like the other?" So we bring them over with a couple of rival cars as well, and go, "Well, here you go. Go around these roads." And they yeah. come back and go, "Are all of your roads like this?" <laughs> <laughs> well, a few. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A few of them are. Uh, should we talk Vauxhall? Yep. I mean, I, you mentioned it, but Vauxhall, to their credit, I don't know if they still do, actually, under the latest regime, but they had a Opel, Vauxhall Opel, had a place in the UK to do development, didn't they? And they have they have in the past done some yeah, there were some ride and handling work on the roads around Bedfordshire. No, they've had a gaff in Millbrook for a long time, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, we did some... They did. We did some some road routes with their with their blokes didn't we yeah. and, and at one stage they had a a guy whose job was ostensibly to, to you know to handle the british tuning i'm yeah. not sure how genuine it was but he was a very nice bloke and he, he talked was. the talk for sure yeah, yeah totally yeah. and the cars are pretty good i mean this astra that i've got now which is actually a stellantis car obviously mm. it's a citroen or a ds or a peugeot underneath pretty good car now mm. and it because the styling is quite straightforwardly Vauxhall it's a convincing car I like it yeah and we're going to talk about though tell me about the headlights mate ha. it's well, just I know this is your and another thing which is yeah, the yeah. Well, it, end of the news item story isn't it really? yeah. yeah well uh, yeah it's 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 a it's a sort of good and bad because the the thing is the headlight glasses on this car which are, which are very small and narrow and because headlights have progressed and they don't take up much space now in the frontal mm. you know arrangements of a car 
they, they're quite vertical. So when you drive it on dirty roads with a lot of spray about, it collects crap on the, and that is to say, it collects dirt on the headlights mm. um, fairly quickly. But the, when the headlights are clean, it's got really excellent headlights, and, you know, matrix headlights as well, so that you can't dazzle anybody. So they're great headlights, but if if you wonder why they're going dull, it is because they collect a lot of uh, oh, gunge quite quickly. Gunge. And it's just a it's just a foible. Yeah. You know, as soon as you know what it is, you, you you just make sure you when you get back in the car from you know visiting the post office, you give the headlights a wipe. It's yeah. all right. That's cool. Yeah, give them a little polish. Keep yeah. a rag. Keep the microfiber cloth. The road testers' fabled, fabled microfiber cloth is that's your it. friend. Yeah. yeah, that's it. I uh, used to know a piano tuner who drove a Toyota GT86, which is a great, great car. But he basically cleaned it. It's so fastidious. Every time he'd sort of he'd arrive, tune the piano, leave the house, clean all the windows and mirrors and lights on the car, even on a sort of you know a nice Amazing. summer's day. And you think that's probably the kind of bloke actually who should be tuning the piano. Yeah, ultimately. Yeah, I bet it was. Um, I bet it was very true to the note that he had in mind. Spot on all the way through. Spot <laughs> on all the way through. That brings us more or less to the end of my week in cars for this week. Six months since it started. Yeah, starting another another period. Amazing. Yeah, which is very good. So you can find Steve's column and mine in Autocar Magazine. You can find uh, features and news and reviews over at autocar.co.uk. You won't find our columns there because they only appear in the mag, which is available digitally or in print as it has been every week since 1895. The Autocar Electric podcast series is going to start again soon, I think, which is James Disdale will present that probably with me and some guests. What else is going on? YouTube, we've got that cheap car test that we loved. Oh, yeah, we enjoyed so much. Yeah. I read your copy the other day, but for that, mate, for the feature, which will be out very soon, enjoyable. You wrote the i10. The i10, and I wrote the Picanto, which are yeah. similar cars, but we like them a lot. They're great, yeah. They're just. Yeah. Let me just say thing, one thing before we wrap up. Yeah. I've really enjoyed this six months, Matthew. I really enjoyed talking to you. And I just, if the next six months is as good as this one, I'm a happy boy. Totally. So me too, mate. Because we've worked together for 17 years, but never spent this much time with each other because we both are on different jobs all yeah. the time. Yeah. So it's really, I've really, yeah, it's been terrific. So, but most of all, thanks for listening. Because if you didn't, we wouldn't get to do this. Indeed. <laughs> Very good, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yes. Uh, so, catch us in all those places. And we will see you this time next week uh, from your favourite podcast provider. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.